So God is good. So I want to talk on a topic that's been on my heart for a few months. Now, as a leader of a congregation, there's a few things that you have to make sure that you remember to do. You don't preach out of stuff you're processing. Who agrees? You know what I mean? Like as a pastor, you can't have a fight with someone that week and then preach their faults. It's been tempted. Lucky April never does anything wrong. That's why I always use the kids as my illustration. Just kidding. Kiara's now in the room all the time, uh, so I can't say that. But um, one other thing uh, that had been on my heart uh, post the fact that we've now been 12 months since we put on our social media of Uni Hill Church, we're back. 12 months. You know, it's an interesting because you begin to ponder, wow, that is a season. That's been 12 months. Do you know that tomorrow uh, is literally the 10-year to the day anniversary of April and I arriving in Melbourne to be a part of Uni Hill Church? Uh, so isn't that amazing? So what we're going to do... Once again, Geordie, remember this wherever you are or one of the staff. In June next year, um, Robbie, I may be wrong about the date, but whenever we became Unihill Church, it's 10 years. Let's celebrate for no reason. Amen. We'll do a gratitude service again. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be fun. Um, I don't know why I'm saying that, but seasons. You contemplate things. You process things. So the topic that has been on my heart coming out of COVID, there was a lot of people that said, my season has changed. Uh, church is no longer uh, just the priority that I have uh, for Sunday. Now, um, something in me when I heard that was triggered a little bit because we need to honour God. Now, I am about you travelling. I am about you making sure that you are a witness to your family. I want to put this out there, that if you are here consistently, and you should be, praise the Lord. But if there is a family thing on, and you are being a poor witness to them by being here, you need to be considering that prayerfully. Uh, because we need to be reaching our families, and we need to be encouraging them so that they feel like this is a place where they can be. So the balance of that being, what I'm going to talk about this morning, is that church matters and should be a priority in your life. But I want to talk about some things uh, that people ha have been discussing with me. I've been reading. I've been seeing, you know, you know, the whole concept between, well, well, we come to church on a Sunday and then the imbalance of people saying, well, actually, we are the church, which is correct. But it's also not correct if you're out of balance in your approach to that. So you need to be able to address these things. So what we're going to do is the whole theme of this morning can be wrapped up in me doing the first word in my title, why? And you remembering the last two words, church matters. Okay, why? Church matters. That's all we need to remember. That's what we're going to look at uh, today. And I think it's important that we begin to reflect because as we continue to grow, as we continue to emerge as a community, it is important that you are in a community of faith that is strengthening and growing you. I read an article, I read several articles because I don't want you to just think today we're going to preach out of the Word of God. We always will. That's my priority. But also people who preach out of the Word of God have an opinion because I think it's valuable that we look at what people are saying and what people are doing. And then we always build it upon first and foremost, the Word of God. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Now, I grew up in church. You know, uh, I was talking with uh, somebody uh, the other week who's in our community about we see all these guys doing influential uh, talks uh, and having influence amongst young people and businesses because they always have a cool story. You know, they always oh yeah, you know, I was in a gang, I got shot, um, 
all of the drama that they have, this incredible story. And I was thinking, I was talking with this young guy. I'm like, man, if I had to start a, you know, a public speaking, it would be called No Major Mistakes because I haven't really, I haven't really done much outside of the box. Um, but that's my testimony. I grew up in the church. My parents got saved just before I was born. And, you know, I say this regularly because I am reminded by them and I remind myself that the moment I came out of the womb, my dad gave me to the Lord. They had come to Christ, had two kids. He felt the Lord say, have another one and dedicate him to me. So I knew that this would be my life. By the time I was five or six, my dad was leading a church in, in the mighty rural town of Colac. You know, we went there. There was not even a McDonald's, which is a shame for a kid. We went to a school and it was okay, but I can't remember. I actually just remember being very, very poor. My dad was an architect. Uh, there was obviously compromise in the industry uh, in that period of time of my life. Uh, he wasn't able to get work. So he's ministering in this church. We moved back to Geelong. He ministered in another church. Dad then all of a sudden realized it seemed to be that he was helping churches repurpose, bringing guys in to lead the churches. We'd return to Geelong. So I've been in the church my whole life and I've seen the great things, but I've also seen what happens when you bring broken people, which is all of us, into one community together and you also see what can happen. God's perfect. You know, we in ourselves are broken and becoming more and more like Christ as we're on our journey of sanctification. But there's things that go wrong. There's opinions. I heard people say things about my dad. I heard people say things about my parents' leadership decisions. I got into youth ministry. I was leading a youth group by 17. You know, and you think you can, you, you know, you, you are, everyone's behind you. That's literally what you feel as a 17-year-old. And then you realize that there are other opinions that exist. But you know what? It never changed my mind about the gathering of God's people. Because in settings like this is where I had the deepest encounter with God that changed my life. I remember as a 12-year-old being at an altar and church and, and we're at a youth conference and we're worshipping God and I encountered God. And it made me realise that this environment I want to be in, regardless of the cost that I have to pay, because you can take all the positives and negatives and you weigh them up. If God is here, it's worth it. If God is here, He will grow you. If God is here, He will mature you. If your pursuit is Him then we do life together. Then we work it out. But church matters because it's God's design for you to be in a setting like this. It's actually God's design. And we're going to look at that today. I read uh, several articles uh, that really challenged me as I began to process. These articles aren't something uh, that I read for the first time this week. These are things that I began to ponder as I said, God, if there is a different model that you have in your word, that's what I'll pursue. I don't hold on to structure. I hold on to you and my obedience and the lead of the Holy Spirit in my life. But as I began to read things, uh, I began to see people uh, who would, who would uh, make incredible quotes that I can't read and find right now. Um, such as a guy by the name of Thomas Rayner, he writes this, you cannot be joyfully obedient to Christ with nominal or no commitment to a church. I thought that was very challenging. 
There are multiple different people uh, that have written, how good is this one? Uh, This is the Gospel Coalition and they wrote this, that getting to church is hard. Who agrees with that? Amen. Who, I don't know about you, but I find like this is the morning for us. We, not that we have this morning, okay. But you know, when you have your argument on your way to church, you know, and then you're in the environment that builds you and already there's been a battle that's taken place before you come in. Getting to church is hard, but that's part of the value of attending every Sunday. It sets the tone for the Christian's daily struggle to live in a personal relationship with Christ. The struggle is hard to get here, but the struggle is also a struggle every other day of the week. But what you're doing is you're setting up a spiritual discipline that I won't submit to my tiredness. I won't submit to my attitudes, but rather I will put Christ and the gathering of the believers before my own feelings so that I can grow and mature. So when you think about church on a Sunday, another writer writer wrote that it's actually the whole Christian world distilled and condensed into a moment. He says there, and I think it's actually on one of my, the next slide, uh, thanks James, as it says there that we receive God's grace through His Word. We do the sacrament and prayer, which I'll talk about. We respond to God's grace with praise, thanksgiving and love. We have fellowship with Him under His Word by grace. We serve, we worship, we flourish out of that communion. It's a beautiful thing. It's a special gathering that we have when we come together. We're actually blessed to be here. We're actually blessed to be together. So Sunday this morning, this Sunday this morning, I don't know what that word means. Hallelujah, let's pray. It was this Sunday morning, but I wrote the and confused myself as I read it. I want to talk about the local church. You know, the local church can be described in many different ways, but effectively, a local church has three components. It has the scripture, I'm actually going to say the Holy Scripture. It has the sacraments, which is baptism and the Lord's Supper, and it has church discipline. These are the things that mark a church. Now, often people have, and I'm now speaking uh, from a conviction that the Lord has put in my heart, but I believe that it's the Word of God. I believe that the consensus among theologians is this, is that there is uh, an opinion that you can go to a Christian concert with your friend and call that church. That's not church. That, that is Christian community functioning relationally, which it should do. But there is a difference between uh, that kind of and the setting that God calls us to be in. The church can be broken down uh, into two, two things, that you must have one and the other to be flourishing, but you cannot replace one with the other. You have the institute of church. The institute of church is the Holy Scripture, the sacraments, and church discipline. But you can also have the organism of church. You know what that is? Small groups, praying together, evangelism, discipleship. You have all these functioning, but then you come back to what it is. You cannot remove the institute of church and then just have going out things in your home. You need Holy Scripture. You need the sacraments. You need church discipline. Now, if all those are functioning in different size settings, it is the church but you cannot have one without the other. Church matters and it's important to God and the definition of what it looks like is important. Now, there are many different things uh, that we can look at. There are many different formats at which the church 
can look like. But the reality is we need to hold on to those things. Now, there are circumstances when uh, and periods of time that we've been through when you can't get to church. The value that I absolutely love that we gained through COVID is it forced us online. Now, to me, uh, best case scenario is in the room. But I thank God that if you're at home and you're sick, you can still be a part of today. You know, I thank God that there are people that aren't even in this state that call our church home because the fact that we can be online. That's incredible. But the priority needs to be the gathering together of the saints. Now, if we look at Jesus for a great example, hey, let's look at what he did. Let's look at how he lived because I want to be like Jesus. Give me a wave if that's you. That is the goal. The goal is to be like Jesus. Now, often if we think about, all right, well, what was Jesus's opinion on church as institute, as coming together? Well, you actually can get a glimpse into it if you turn to Luke 4, 16 in your Bibles. This is Jesus and it said, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. On the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So on, let's contextualize it. On Sunday, he went to church, synagogue, formal gathering, as was his consistency, his rhythm. On Sunday, he went to church consistently as part of the rhythm of his life. This was Jesus with his opinion of church. Church matters. Church matters. But here's the emphasis of why church matters. It makes you better. It makes you more like Jesus. Because you know what? There are going to be things that I'm going to talk about now that we all experience. Do you know here, which I'll talk about, you're going to be offended. And then you're going to learn to forgive. makes you more like Jesus. It's the reality. You're going to stay in rhythm and consistency and learn to walk through times when you're not submitting to just your emotional world. It makes you better. So let me, let me show you three things uh, that I believe ch- prioritizing church adds value to your life. First thing is this, you learn sacrificial love. Now, I know I find it important to try and be a godly example in the way that I live. You know, if I tell somebody that they should speak respectfully, the evidence needs to be there in my life. The fruit needs to be evident that, okay, what Charles is telling me to do, the best example would be, well, this is how I live. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to set the example. If I am going to model forgiveness, if I'm going to tell somebody that you need to forgive, it needs to be evident in my life. Now, I remember that that the reason why we're talking uh, about this is that there's been something modelled in Scripture that we should see. Because modelling is important. I remember when Jai was young and every time he'd see Pastor Nick, Pastor Nick would bite him. He'd come up and go, oh, you're so cute. And I've shared this with you. I'm still scarred. Because what happened is it was cute until that behaviour was modelled to Jai by Pastor Nick. And then when he would love somebody, he would bite them. So the example and the platform had been set and now it was being imitated. 
replicated. So if we think about that and we look at the example that Jesus set in Scripture, there's something that we can be learned. We can learn. I want you to go to Ephesians 5.25. It says, Husbands, you know, I've been to three weddings in 10 days. Someone said, lucky me, you should see me on the dance floor. Lucky them, lucky them, <laughs> lucky them. So in Ephesians 5.25, it says this, Husbands, love your wives. That's why I was prompted. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So in this scripture, Paul is asking husbands, stay with me, to love their wives the way Christ loved the church. The point is that he's asking husbands to love their wives sacrificially, putting them first, putting their needs before their own. So when it comes to my wife, it's not about how I feel, it's about how she feels. I need to make sure that my priority as a husband is to look after my wife and be an example of doing that. Now, when Paul is talking to the believer about husbands, you need to sacrificially love your wife. He gives an example. He says, the way that I want you to love your spouse, love your wife, is the way that Jesus loved the church. So Christ loved the church. We often, I focus obviously on the scripture Paul is saying to love your wife, but the example is this. Christ loved the church in the same manner we are called to love our spouse. We're called to love the church. So if Christ loved the church, I should too but in a sacrificial way. We make his name famous. Father, we want to see you be made famous. Lord, we want to honour you in everything we do. But that love is sacrificial. You know, I love, I love the music team of our church because they get here early. When we're all still getting ready on a Sunday morning, so that they can love you, so that in this place there can be an opportunity that we as a community can enter into worship together. Their sacrifice means we can enter in. That's loving sacrificially the house of God. You know, I love seeing families in our community that serve our kids program because they're serving children that are not their own. Happens the same with our play group. You know, I love our community team. And in fact, we, we need to be praying for them. Us as a community, just so you're aware, because of your generosity into the Hope Centre, uh, we're giving out 120 hampers to families that are often isolated or individuals that are isolated, families that are absolutely broke, people that are coming out of domestic violence. But yet we... By the fact that you go, hey, it's only a small amount of money that I'm able to give to the, to the Hope Centre. It's not about the money. What it is actually about the fact that you go, and I think we have an opportunity as a community to love people. Now, I can't be there because I'm at work, but as I partner with it, you're still loving them. Don't lose the value of the fact that this generosity that we do together, you know, we've we got to try and get better. We've got to try and get better at catching it. Uh, the problem with our community ministry is those that are vulnerable often, you know, we, we can't show things publicly. 
but there is 120 families in our area. It's about per families 3.18 or 3. Point something per household. It, it's nearly 400 people that we're, we're ministering to, loving them practically. That's sacrificial love. Coming out of a place like this, it needs to be remembered. That if Christ loved the church to the point that he gave himself up for it, we should love the church too. And in this community, you learn to love in a way that costs you. Second value of being in the community is that we grow falling forward. A Christian community is a place where we understand forgiveness, the forgiveness of God that we've received, that we now extend to others. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. Now, we're going to be looking at the parable of the unmerciful servant, uh, 18, 21 to 32, and I'm going to make my way through it because there's some quite a bit of scripture that I want to use. Now, the unmerciful servant is a context of, of the opposite to the culture that we live in today. You know, the culture we live in today is that if you do something wrong, you are disqualified. You are struck off. If you say something uh, that doesn't fit the narrative or you have an opinion that doesn't fit with where the world is, you are struck off, you are cancelled. That's the culture we live in, but that's not kingdom culture. That's not what this community will do. We will grow, and I'm going to address it. There's two sides to the coin. We are a community that will address sin and will be highly forgiving. Because we grow and we've received grace and mercy, so we extend grace and mercy. So in Matthew 18, 21. Uh, to 32. It's the parable and the portion of Scripture where, where Peter starts with the question, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Now remember the context of this, who sins against me. We're going to remember that means you've been offended. How many times do I need to forgive the person that has offended and sinned against me? Forgiveness is a very interesting thing in our community, hey? And Jesus says, as we know, 70 times 7, which is really representing an unlimited amount of uh, forgiveness. Uh, Jesus then tells a story about a servant. Uh, breaking this story down quickly, there is a servant and he owes the master a thousand bags of gold. He comes to the master. He says, I can't pay it back. Would you give me more time? Would you give me mercy? The, the master has pity on him, says, cancel the debt and go. Now, that was the master to the servant. We know that that is a great picture of God and us. Now, that servant being, the debt being removed from his life, goes and finds another servant. So now it is a, a uh a colleague relationship, a community relationship, goes and I love it, adds a little emphasis like he's choking him, you know, and he says he owes him a hundred silver coins and he says, pay me back. And then the guy who is his co-servant says exactly the same thing. He says, I can't do it. Give me time. Have mercy. He gets him thrown in jail. Then people around that person see the hypocrisy and go and tell the master, and when they go back and they tell the master, you pick it up in verse 32, it says this, Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all the debt of yours 
because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. That's the emphasis. From your heart. You can appear to have all of the right expressions and still have intolerance in your heart for that person. Because that's not full forgiveness. So in the light of God's forgiveness, this scripture is talking about that we should forgive one another. We've received grace from God for our sin and our brokenness. And because we've received such a debt of sin removed from our lives, that we should extend grace and mercy and forgiveness to those who sin against us. I always return to the culture of this community is we cannot expect perfection, but we must be growing closer to Jesus. Sanctification, becoming more and more like him, walking more and more in the godly purpose that he designed and created us for. Because we live in a place where we have the Holy Spirit help us to live a way that pleases God. So this is talked about forgiveness. Okay, but isn't it interesting that prior to this, and I love the way that Scripture sets it up, if you jump above it, the Scripture that precedes it is talking about addressing sin in one another's life. So what happens in this community, uh, when, it, when it talks about addressing sin in the church, that's the title given in the NIV Bible. It says, go to the person if one, if they don't accept it, involve the church, get some others to come in and address that person. So isn't it very interesting that it talks about sin and offense and then forgiveness? So in this community, why church matters is because we grow while falling forward. In this community, we should be a people that calls out the things in each other's lives that aren't great, but then also lead with forgiveness. That is unlike any other community that you can belong to in our society. Because while you are growing, there are people around you going, I don't know necessarily if you're praying. I don't know necessarily if your attitude is right towards your workplace. I don't know whether or not that there is something sitting in you. It's good to speak the truth in love. Proverbs says it's better a slap from your friend than a kiss from your enemy. If all your friends are telling you what you only want to hear, I don't necessarily think that's genuine community. We address the sin in one another to grow based upon a culture that has to be forgiving. Because Jesus says if you've received forgiveness, you have to extend it or it can limit your relationship with God. So in this community, we are going to grow together. We are going to grow. We're going to address things in our lives, but we're going to lead with forgiveness so you can be secure. You won't be disqualified. So how are your habits is a question I pondered as after I wrote this. Are you growing or hiding? And what I mean by growing versus hiding is that you can appear to be having all the right spiritual disciplines, but you're not growing which is evident then that you don't have the right spiritual disciplines. 
So are you growing or are you hiding? It's a question that I ask myself. How are your relationships? How are you at forgiving? Because as believers, as Jesus spoke in this parable, we live in the light of what Christ has done. And we want to function from that revelation as well. A third thing, you learn to love outside your circle. When I, I love so much seeing our community gather, and uh, when, it, when it gathers, I, I look at a Sunday morning, and sometimes you see the hosting team, and there's multiple different generations of people that would not come together other than the fact that we're united by our love for Christ. So whenever you serve or go and attend any other community, you were there with a purpose for, I like football and I, I, I'm serving because uh, my kids attend or I'm serving because I attend or there's always a particular emphasis. But what I love about our community is you are serving generations, you are serving people you don't know, don't necessarily have much to do with yet. We need to grow and strengthen that. But the reality is you're serving outside your circle. You are loving outside your world. And that is so important because that's what Christ wants us to do. In Luke chapter 10, 25 to 37, we know uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. And uh, this person has been beaten up. He's been broken and religious people pass him by. And then a Samaritan comes along, takes him in and looks after him. We know the story. And the question that's asked there is, who was the guy's neighbour? That's where, the, that's where it lands when Jesus is answering. He's actually asking that question to the guys, the experts in the law. And they reply, the one that had mercy on him, the one who showed love outside his circle was actually the one that had mercy. We know everyone in this room would know that uh, it was most likely a Jewish person. The Samaritans and Jews don't get along. They, they were culturally uh, opposed to one another because of judgment and separation and, and culture. But what's happening is there's a person, saw a person who was injured, not part of their culture, and loved outside where they were comfortable to do so. When you look all through Scripture in Leviticus 19.34, it says, Love strangers, those who are strangers to your land. In Matthew chapter 5, we know that it begins to even talk about love your enemies. We know that it talks about love your neighbour. But in this community, we learn to do that. I might have Tegan come and join me. Because here's something that this community will do. You know, the Bible says this. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good for those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. I believe that often what we do outside these walls is ignited within this room. And we as a community get to train ourselves, get to walk faithfully in loving people that we might not necessarily spend time with. This room's big enough now that that's beginning to happen. But you love people in this community because you were training yourself to do that outside these walls.
We're united by Christ. We have all the benefits of knowing He's what brings us together. But I don't ever want to miss the value of what God does here, of what God is doing here. Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. We should have that priority too. So as we stand, I want to, I want to offer you some application. I want you to personalise this to your world. If Christ loved the church sacrificially, how can I do the same? You know, I, I, I say this not from a need perspective. I'm not going to say this from a need perspective. This is because as, a, as your pastor, I actually want to see this room mature and grow. Is that, and the reality being, compared to other churches, comparison's a dangerous thing. We're actually in a healthy place. There's quite a lot of people that serve. But if you aren't actively involved in serving the community in some way, can I, can I ask you to put that to prayer? Because that activates in your life outward thinking, sacrifice, loving outside your circle. And you give yourself an opportunity to grow some deeper relationships that can help you grow. Iron sharpens iron. I have a deep conviction that everybody is on an escalator towards the door. You arrive, you hop on the escalator, you start going towards the door not to return. The way you get off that escalator is to connect. The way that you can connect is through serving or a small group where you can grab people, deepen relationship with them and grow together. It is important that you make sacrifice to be part of our community. You've got to do it in your own way, your own shape and form, but it's clear that if you don't serve anywhere, I'm being honest, now we, don't, I'm, we are not in dire straits with serve. Like this isn't a, this isn't a desperate plea for help. We're, we're pretty good because we have a great culture at our church. But the reason we have it is because I have the deep conviction that if you come, now there are seasons of life, there's grace for everything. Okay, this is a statement knowing that as your pastor, there's situations that come and go and change and are grace and love you. We all do. That's why we're part of a community. But what I'm going to say is this, that if you don't serve, you're consuming. And that's not our culture. We're a family church who prioritise the kingdom of God and His bride because we love Him. So how can you love the church sacrificially is a question. Second thing, in community that builds me and is forgiving, application is this, it's very simple. Forgive quicker. It's easy to do and say until it happens. Forgive quicker and the emphasis on that Scripture, with your heart. With your heart. Apply wisdom. Be better at forgiving. Be better at speaking the truth in love. Be better at listening. And three, I learned to live out, I learned to love outside my circle. Our community helps you to do this. So in loving outside your circle, when's the last time you went and spoke to somebody outside of your rhythm in this room? Go and talk to someone different. 
get to know them, encourage them. It's what we're here to do. Because God is worth it. He is good. He's worthy of all praise. So I might invite the whole band to come up. Moving into next year, there are several things that the Lord has put on my heart that I'll share in the, the coming months where I believe there needs to be two hands. I, I don't want to pre-share too much, but this room in this moment, I believe needs to be about God's Word, encounter and encouragement. But it's vital to us as a community that you join some form of small group, connect group. The reason is that we're going to then attempt to go deeper. Pastor John and I the other day were talking about how there can be communities that grow very, very wide, but not very, very deep. And I want to create that in our people. So the premise for teaching will always come. You know, Pastor Greg will still teach. I think there's so many teaching gifts on our staff. I think I'm the only one that isn't. And you get me the most. (laughs) So there will still be teaching from this place, but this moment will be about strengthening one another, encountering the Holy Spirit, building up the church. And then small groups, we will be doing teaching. We will be going deeper. You'll be asking the hard questions. So I have a desire to see everyone in our community, the way that you can sacrificially love the church is through your priority of time, find a way to serve and join a small group. That's my ask of this community and the strength that will come across your life and this community as a whole will change the world. I have no doubt. But we need to be a people that do it, not because I'm passionate about it, but because you love Christ and you're in awe of what He's done for you in your world and you want to grow closer to Him. And His model for your growth is the local church with the Ephesians giftings functioning. A sermon for another time. So why don't you lift your hands in this place?